obviously. On the prompt. That's just something that Steven would do. He yeah. probably downloaded the K-Base, put that yeah. in there. <laughs> like people who download uh, offline Wikipedia archives. Yeah, he has that, yeah. but for the, for the K-Base. Yeah, for sure, yeah. Welcome to The Prompt, a weekly panel discussion on technology and the culture surrounding Apple and related companies. It is June 18th, 2014. Welcome back to the world's greatest podcast. This is episode number 53. My name is Mike Hurley and I am joined, as I always am, by Mr. Federico Batici. Hi, Federico. Hey, Mike. How are you? I am very well. And Mr. Stephen Hackett has returned. Hello, Stephen. Hey. Hey, buddy. It's good to be back with you, fine gentlemen. Um, is this our birthday today? This God. I, you'll you... notice I didn't put any of that in the follow-up. Yeah. Because everyone who disagreed with me is wrong. Okay, um, well, that's, that's great. <laughs> that's, that's how it... As the keeper of the follow-up, I get to decide what goes in it, right? Um, no, it's good to be back. You know, Mike, I was thinking today as we were... You know, we've been talking for a while on Skype before we started the show... How different it is to record a show with you in person, uh, as it, like, Mike, to me, is, like, this microphone, this laptop, and these headphones, like, sitting in this bedroom in my house where I do this. It's very, it's very weird and, and strange to have you in person, but now that I've had it, I just, I want more of it. Well, I think the... The, the the obvious solution is to is to like build a mic uh, plush toy that you can keep on your desk. So wh- while you record, you like you're like uh, seeing eye to eye with with uh, the fake mic, and it doesn't seem so awkward. Federico, I think that mine and your definition of obvious is very very different. <laughs> well, well, I'm just going for the simplest solution. You know? Again, simple. <laughs> I'm still not 100 percent sure that we. Are you saying? Are you saying that making a plush toy is more difficult than flying you from England to to America every week? Um, the obvious option for me was just to move. Not simple, but ah, obvious. Yeah, that, you know, that's I, not. I think a simpler solution could be I could have my iPad uh, here with your face on it and just like I'm talking to it. Yeah, that would also work. I'm gonna try that next week. Or we just try and find a a, a Mike lookalike in in look a Mike uh, in uh, <laughs> Memphis. <laughs> uh, Siri found me a Mike. Um, there are no people called Mike with a Y in in America. It's true, there are lots Where actually. We? There's one guy called Mike Cole who yeah, but- is a friend of Dan Moran and a novelist. Oh yeah, Dan serious? Moran told us about that. So I, I just searched Mike in an incognito tab. And the first one <laughs> is uh, Premier Tech Bico- Biotechnologies, the home of Mike, all capital letters, an all-natural product line that provides amazing results and meets the specific needs of most plants. Apparently, you can enhance growth with Mike. Oh, that's that's uh, what it says. That is what uh, the, the Google result says. I'm like the third person down. I'm above Mike Cole, the author. So Yeah, usemike.com. That's a pretty good URL. <laughs> Use Mike. Wow, Use that Mike. is pretty good. Usemike.com. Yeah. I need to take over that URL. Could I think you should acquire hire, <laughs> aqua hire, aqua aqua hire uh, these people. Uh, you could take them over. Matt Alexander's good at this sort of stuff. Get Matt Alexander to buy this company and they give it to you. Yeah, you can afford it. Oh, Mike Pro, new website for professionals. <laughs> the button to go to this website is in Flash. Let's see. Oh, Use God. Mike Pro. 
This website uh, is Mike, by my... Mike, I just went to your website and um, I don't think the background is loading. So that's your internet. The background is a big picture of me. It takes forever. It's a big, big, heavy picture of me. You got to optimize. Oh, MikeHurley.com is something in Asian. Yeah. Um, Japanese. It, Japanese. I Japanese. tried to get it off GoDaddy. I'm going to translate it. Didn't work. Oh, your website GoDaddy says that... wouldn't send it back to me. Sell it back to me. They wouldn't. They just wouldn't do it uh, for less than like $1,000 or something stupid like that. So now somebody else owns it. Your All website this, course, says that you're, that you're fun to work with. I am fun to work with. C- can I leave a comment on this? Uh, There's no comment box. I turned off comments. I so. can send you an email. Yeah, send, send me an email, email and tell me how fun I am to work with. Oh, it's good to be back with the three of us. Follow up. Guys. Hi. As you might imagine, <laughs> there's follow-up about photo management. <laughs> oh, God. No way, uh, really? Yeah, it's really weird. I just came out of nowhere. So apparently... Why can't, they, can't people just stop taking photos? Just stop. Don't take any more photos. No photos. <laughs> no that's how you manage. Photos. That's how we're going to manage photos now. Just none. No more pictures. It's done. We're done. We stop. Yep. Wow. So there's a service called Copy um, run by Barracuda, which is a company that does things. Uh, 15 gigabytes cloud storage for free. Um, it's a photo service. It's a company that does things? Yes. It's yep, weird, right? That sounds uh, there's a yeah. desktop app. There's a Windows app. Um, all sorts of stuff to upload images and see them. Um, I don't know about you guys, ha- but I'm kind of not... Um, I, kind, I kind of don't care. I, I'm not interested in another photo management solution right now, considering that in the fall we'll be using iCloud, most likely. I tend to agree. Um, and uh, I think... Are these the guys that used to give away a lot of storage? Barracuda yeah. does network yeah. solution stuff. This is copy.com, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, I know these guys because um, like a few months ago, there were a bunch of people on Twitter sharing links to give a, to, to, to receive a lot of free storage from, from this service. I never wow. signed up, but it seems like an awful lot of free storage just for a link. Talking about free storage, Mike, what did my, you do? Uh, my 48 gigabytes of Dropbox has now uh, been removed. Why did you have that again? Uh, I had a Samsung phone. That's right. So I'm now so, down to 39.2 gigabytes, of which I'm pers- using 84%. Ooh, getting close. Ooh. Are we doing this? We're we gonna compare Dropboxes. Uh, I have. I am using fifty four percent of one hundred twenty seven gigs available. Okay. I'm using eighteen percent of one hundred twenty three gigs available. I have a lot of stuff in there that can come out. Like to be honest. Mm. And uh, Th- when- does this mean, Mike, that you're getting a new Android phone just to get a promotion? I mean, sure. Uh, I have an Android I, phone. I, I know oh, there's the. Breaking the news, guys. HTC. Breaking news. I have an email from a yes. guy called Federico Vitici. Uh-huh. And it's the subject line is fun. And <laughs> the email says, you are fun. <laughs> Federico Vitici, wow. editor-in-chief of Mac Stories. And then podcast. Your, your email signature is significantly longer than the email you sent me. I like, I well, like all of your links. Yeah. It's all about the identity. You know? is, that, is this uh, email signature generated in Python? 
now it's a it's an actual app with an interface. Hmm. Yeah, I didn't know you yeah. use those. Oh yeah, I have hands. I so thought, I thought I, it was I can, all I just <laughs> all just code. Just all code. Oh hum hum. So Mike, are you probably gonna find a new um uh, cross-platform promotion to get more gigabytes on Dropbox and everything will be fine in the world again. I'm always on the lookout for cross-platform promotions. Yeah, I mean, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta keep that synergy going, right? Mm-hmm. So you gotta take these opportunities wherever they come. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Speaking next, of Android, oh, Stephen. Speaking of Android, I have an Android phone here on my desk, which we're going to get to. But in follow-up, um, we spoke about. Well, you guys spoke about last week the Google Play Store versus the App Store in terms of the return policy. And it looks like on uh, back in May, Google altered that again from 24 hours to... Fi- well, it had gone from 24 hours to 15 minutes. And now it seems to be doing something else. But this blog post is confusing. What does this blog post say, Michael? Uh, as guardian of the follow-up, um, did you not? Did you not read it? Here it is. It's right. It's right. It's he buried the lead. I mean, put your lead on the top, like a gentleman. Uh, after forty-eight hours, Google bears the cost of the refund. Um, so I guess it's still the fifteen minutes is still there. But if you do it after forty-eight hours, Google will pick up the tab. So you and underscore we're talking about um, games, right? Like you could play through a game and then return it, mm-hmm. and people would be sad. <laughs> um, and so this protects the development teams from that and Google absorbs that cost, which is good on Google. Yeah. Good. It's good. Pro, um, uh, I like this policy. I, I, I agree with what you guys said last week that Apple's policy is confusing at best and it's, I think they should address it. The, uh, the next piece follow up also about Google and Android. Uh, Mike, you've been having a conversation with a listener via the follow-up um, about Google accounts and Android, et cetera. So do you kind of want to take this one? Yep. So uh, I called Susie out, basically, uh, from last week, listener Susie, and asked her to um, explain why she basically was using uh, an Android phone about a Google account. Um she wanted to, I, and I feel like this is meant to, to, be, to be stated, she as she has quite plainly put in an email to us, she wasn't trying to be controversial, um, which I can completely understand. I, I didn't think that she was trying to be. I, it was just me and Federico failed to really understand how and why she used her device this way. Um, she just doesn't want to sign up for Google. She tries to minimize, as, as many people do these days, I think, the, the amount of uh, information she gives to big companies. So she also doesn't use Apple and like that, those sorts of things. You know, she's not uh, interested in using services that these companies provide. Um, she keeps, and I wondered how she keeps everything in sync, right? So she syncs contacts, calendars, email, bookmarks, and passwords, and she uses CardDAV and CalDAV with a service called OwnCloud, which I've never heard of, but I can imagine what it does. Uh, Fastmail for email uh, and Firefox on Android. It has its own sync system to keep bookmarks and save passwords synced to Firefox. Uh, and I'm sure that she's maybe more comfortable with the Mozilla Foundation than a company like uh, Google. Um, she downloads apps from a service called FDroid, which I assume is a secondary um, app marketplace, um, and just manually syncs music and photos. 
you know, the the Cardav and Cardav stuff with OnCloud seems like a lot of work, but I'm actually pretty intrigued. But the, the old setup. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's pretty sexy. I mean, it, you're basically OnCloud is a service. It's not as popular as as I would like it to be, but I know um, my friend Steve Streza uh, uses OnCloud. It's basically like you roll your own Dropbox on on a on your own server, which explains the name. And yeah, I mean, this is pretty interesting. I will, uh, yeah. Mike, I know you you, you use Fastmail, right? Mm-hmm. I've just so, started using it, yeah. Okay. I don't really have much to say yet. Yeah, well, yeah. they Fast Fastmail has said that I think Cardav, I they already have a CalDev server, but the Cardav service is coming. And so with something like Fastmail, you could replicate the, the core functionality of iCloud or you know Gmail, Google Calendar, and Google Contacts, which, like Susie says, and to her credit, I think she has a really good point of view that like, that's the core stuff, like photos and music. You don't really need services for. You can deal with that sort of in a manual way, as you guys have made fun of me for doing. Um, mm-hmm. But I think if you can get the over-the-air email contacts and calendars, I think that's that covers a lot of what people look for out of these companies and out of their services. So yep. Susie's a rebel. She is, like but it. she said that she's a longtime Mac user. Has been using a Mac since the eighties. Um, and she is intrigued by iOS and maybe we'll go for an iPad. And she also just wants to point out that it's not strange that she listens to the prompt, but she uses an Android phone. She doesn't take sides. I think Federico should send her an iPad. Yeah, he has loads of them. And Susie, we love you. Thank you for listening. We appreciate it. Um, so we speaking have speaking more... of the opposite of love. <laughs> wow. Oh, Were we speaking of the opposite of love? <laughs> <laughs> Mike, <But> anyway. the, <laughs> Mike, have you been watching the World Cup? Uh, only really the Italy and England game. And, and <laughs> I was less concerned about the football game as I was about just me and you, basically. <laughs> uh, because neither me nor Federico are very interested in sports. Um, I, I think that's safe to say for me to speak on your behalf in that, Federico. Yeah. True. Yeah, well, neither of us really care about sports, yeah. but it it basically became a point. Everybody on Twitter leading up to the game was, exactly. was talking about how it was basically a fight between the two of us. Um, it was fun to watch. I enjoyed the game. Um, I especially enjoyed it when, as soon as Federico sent me a, a photo <laughs> of him and his friend celebrating the 1-0 uh, lead that Italy had taken over England that we equalized. Which yeah, I, like I thought, after two minutes. Which was fantastic. So was, literally as soon as I looked at the, the... I took my phone out to look at the picture. We scored and then I got a text from Federico saying, oh snap, uh, which was great. Uh, it was a great game. Italy played very, very well. And congratulations to Italy for taking the win uh, for 2-1 over England. So when, um, are, when are you guys playing again? Well, what's next on your schedule? No idea. No idea. Yeah, Some me, me neither. I know at that we're point. playing on Friday. Uh, but I'm going to a concert, so I, I will miss the the match. Who are you seeing, Federico? I'm going to see Thirty Seconds to Mars. Oh, nice! In Rome, yeah. Mm, very yeah. nice. So yeah, um, congratulations, Italy. I had considered opening this week's episode with the Italian national anthem, but decided against it. Hey, hey, America won a game too. Yeah, but against somebody. Let's yeah. wait until you until America probably doesn't get through and and. Uh, no, no, I'm sorry. I couldn't help it. And uh, maybe, maybe they'll play Italy or England. Who knows? 
Unlikely. <laughs> wow. Oh, can you imagine no, see, America, America versus Italy? It'd, it'd be crazy. Yeah, that wouldn't go yeah. so well, I don't think. Um, I'm afraid you're not known for, for your soccer. No, it's and it's really funny because people here are really into it, and I don't remember people like my friends or coworkers or anything being super into the World Cup last time around. Um, I don't know. It's because like we won a game, and now people are like, "Hooray!" <laughs> yeah, because yeah, but- like, did you guys see the thing? We'll find the the link for the show notes where like the American coach was like, "Yeah, we're terrible." Like <laughs> that, <laughs> no. you know, that it was unrealistic to think that we would that we would be able to do well. Yeah, I heard a, I I read actually an article about um the fact that soccer has been really um becoming kind of trendy in the US, you know, especially in the in the past 4 years because me too. I, I mean, I don't remember the last World Cup people on Twitter and in general uh just being interested in watching games whereas uh, this time around uh not just when when America plays, but there seems to be a higher interest in just watching the game the, the a match on 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 the TV or you know, uh, an app on your iPad, which is nice because, I mean, it, it seems like a sort of more international thing, and I like it. I love that your uh, coach is Jürgen Klinsmann, which I did not know. He's uh, totally German. Yep, he was, a, he was a very, very famous and successful German football player. So I like that. That's, that so, makes me smile. <laughs> the world's greatest sports podcast. Um, <laughs> we have upset so many people in the last few moments. I think. So, if anyone's still here, uh, we'll do topics, I guess. Um, of which there are a thousand. So there are, yeah. So, topic zero, um, which in the show notes for us has kind of become a we're going to talk about this, but blast through it, is a new iMac, and that is uh, greatly overstating what is Apple's it, done. Is it a new iMac or just It's a it's a new configuration. Right, so it's just um, a new base level. Yeah, so it's level model. uh here in the states it's 1100 bucks. Uh it's very basic. It's I'm trying to pull up the specs. So it is um 1.4 gigahertz, 8 gigs of RAM, 500 gig hard drive, like nothing to write home about. Um it's 899 pounds so here. Which puts it one hundred and fifty pounds more expensive than the entry level MacBook Air. Okay. Um, how is that compared to a Mac Mini? Uh, Mac Mini starts at takes so long to get to the Mac Mini page. Naturally, um, four hundred ninety nine pounds is where a Mac Mini starts. Okay, so it's substantially more than a Mac Mini as it yep. is here. Yep. Um, so uh, we've got an article to Macworld, and I was talking to some people on Twitter, Jason Snell and, and Ben Brooks and some other people today, and um, Apple has done this sort of thing before where like they have a really base model. You can't even upgrade the CPU or RAM in this thing. You have to go up a step before you can start configuring it uh, with you know the regular tools that Apple provides. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels like an education-only machine yeah. that Apple has pushed public. They've done this before. There was uh, there've been a couple iMacs in the past that have been like EDU iMacs that end up being public. Um, it's kind of like the eMac. Like if you guys remember the eMac, it was a no. Yeah, it I was a uh, a G4 powered Mac, but sort of in the body of an iMac G3. It was bigger, but had a CRT all built in. And it was an education an education machine that ended up being sold to the public for a while. And this kind of is what this feels like. I do think, however, I mean, I, you know, it's 
there's a separate so if you're a school, right? So so say that you guys uh, you know, run a school district and you want to order, you know, eight hundred iMacs, like you don't go to Apple.com and do that. There's a special store or you have a salesperson that you deal with. Um so this 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 particular machine for sale now doesn't really impact schools the way that it kind of popped in my head earlier. Um, edu customers don't buy computers like this, and besides, this is too late in the year for an education machine. By this point in the summer, schools are generally re- starting to receive receive machines and start imaging them and, and doing that sort of thing, which. I did a lot of in the past. So um, I think this is a good thing to have. Like, yeah, it might not run great in a couple of years' time, but looking at how Apple like the the compatibility of Yosemite, if you look at that as a as a point and a data point, it will run for a long time. And oh yeah. I, and I think it's not gonna be the best performing machine, but it will run, and that's a relatively good price for what you're getting, I think. Mikey, you just stole my question. Thank you. Okay. I was, I was gonna ask about you know what you just asked and also i would i would add what about games because i assume a lot of people are going to buy uh this base imac because it's cheaper and because it, i mean it's got a big screen anyway and they're gonna try to use the machine for games so Stephen, yeah. you're more knowledgeable than us about tech stuff so what do you think about these uh, current specs for game for game i mean so this has the same video card as the current macbook air Mm. Um, which is okay. It's not great. Um, so, I mean, really this is spec like a MacBook air, like it's the, you know, the slower I five with eight gigs of Ram. This is, you know, for all intents and purposes, a MacBook air with a bigger display. Mm -hmm. I would not want to do, I would not count on this to do anything super intensive, but for casual stuff, I think it would probably be fine. Um, you know, Mike, your point of, you know what's the longevity of a machine like this? That's a that's a good question. I think Apple addressed that a little bit by uh, putting eight gigs of RAM in it. Um, the MacBook Air still starts. Um, what's well, the MacBook Pro? That's not helpful. Uh, the MacBook Air still all start with four gigs of RAM, which is a little lean in my opinion. So I think if you're looking to buy a desktop and you don't want a Mac Mini, which I want to talk about the Mac Mini before we move on. I think it's a fine machine. The price is right. You know, if it, if you're just looking for a machine around the house or the office and, you know, you're not going to be um, going crazy on. But, you know, it's, it's it should be fine for the the vast majority of, of people. I, I don't see why everybody's got a frowny face on. Probably because people were expecting, like, Retina IMAX. Or yeah, so the store, stuff. yeah. Yeah, the store went down today. So I uh, helped somebody spec out and order a $3,100 iMac uh, like two days ago for a video and audio editing rig. And um, like, wasn't me. got it, was not you. Uh, got it all picked out and ordered. And then this morning, I think, Mike, uh, you texted me earlier this morning, you're like, the Apple Store's down. I'm like, are you kidding? Like, are you kidding me? Um <laughs> <laughs> and so I was kind of hoping the Mac Mini would get revved. I just actually just picked up a Mac Mini for something not too long ago, and um, like I really, I'm a big fan of the Mac Mini. It's what I have at home. I would love for them to like 
modernize it. There's a link in the show notes to a thing I wrote last year about how they can modernize the Mac Mini and kind of put it on a course that's exciting. But not even the Mac Mini got updated. The whole store went down, LOL, web objects, for a thousand, you know, $1,100 iMac. It's just the anticipation was the anticipation. Sorry. 603 days since the Mac Mini refresh? Yep. That's just pathetic. Yep. It's pathetic, guys. 373 days is the average. Yeah, what's up with the Mac Minis? What, what, what are people, people's thoughts on, on the Mini? Does Apple not care anymore? What's what's a... I can't remember whether, Stephen, you said this or I heard someone else clever say it, um, that they might be holding off an, a, a decent update to the Mac Mini because of the Mac Pro. It wasn't me. Okay. I don't if, know why that would make sense. Well, if you, th- you spec it out close to an iMac, um, it reduces the reason for a lot of people to buy a Mac Pro. You could get a lot of the power out of a Mac Mini. Not the same, but a lot. Like if you if you put if you could spec that out close to an iMac for a reasonable price, which is likely if they're going to update the internals, considering how close you can get an iMac to a Mac Pro, it might reduce the need for a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, the Mac Mini's always been weird. So for a long time, Apple's had the 2x2 product grid. You have professional and consumer desktop and laptop. That's something Steve Jobs introduced when he, right, basically when he stepped back in the door. The Mac Mini does break that. And for a long time, the Mac Mini was the consumer product. In the G4 days and early Intel days, the Mac Mini wasn't very good. I mean, it was it was fine for a lot of people, but it wasn't a real contender. And... Recently, you know, the last three, four, five years, that has changed. Where like, I've got a Mac Mini at home. I think it's got 16 gigs of RAM in it. I put an SSD in it. It's got an i7. Like, it's a legitimate machine. And so part of me thinks that Apple doesn't like that, and that Apple wants to go back to the Mac Mini being the little brother. And, you know, right now it has an older Intel chipset. It has, you know, limited upgrade options. And I think whatever Apple does, you know, for a computer that starts at $600, Apple's going to keep a really close eye on their margin. And so maybe they can't put Haswell processors in it yet because of the margin on those things. And, you know, that's why I think my idea that I wrote about of basically taking a MacBook Air guts and turning that into a Mac Mini, why that probably really, as at this point, is not in the cards because Apple wants to keep the profit margin where they like it. Hmm. Yep, poor Mac Mini. What do you guys think? Mike, you have, what, one or two Mac Minis now? Uh, I have one that, that I use. One is a, is a older Mac Mini that, that is boxed up because it's not, not required at the moment. I would love, I would really, really like a, an update to the Mac Mini, in all honesty. Like, if if I got, if I could get the internals of an iMac um, with audio in and audio out as well as Firewire, um, or at least Thunderbolt, and I could buy a Firewire adapter, um, and I would be I would be happy. I would upgrade to that now, uh, awaiting a, a future upgrade to a Mac Pro. Um, I think one day it will make sense for me to have a Mac Pro. Um, I don't think I would want to do that now. I would want to maybe wait until the next rev. Um, but I I would like to. I really really would love a machine with an SSD in it because the, the the Mac Mini that I have right now is a, is a hard disk drive, a spinning drive in it um and i really really want an ssd again uh but i didn't have that in my budget at the time that i bought this machine and i'm hesitant to upgrade because i there's nothing that 
there isn't the perfect solution for me to upgrade right now. I, so I would really like to see um, some new some new Mac Minis, like a Mac Mini with a with a uh, with an SSD in it. Right now, even the current Mac Minis would do me okay in the interim, but I'm not willing to to make that jump right yet, just yet. Yeah. Cool. So that's where I am with that. So I'm not uh, the Mac Mini update's not keeping me awake at night. As it just seems like it's. Always off still. It's totally keeping me awake at night. You're going to be tired. Wow. So, Federico. Steven. Hi. Hi, how are you? I'm good. We have some iOS 8 topics that we wanted to wrap up from two weeks ago. We do. Uh, Do you want to talk about actionable notifications? Yes, that was one of my favorite announcements of of the keynote. So, uh, as we saw at WWDC... Uh, notifications on iOS 8 are going to feature customizable controls for acting on a notification banner without actually opening the app. So uh, in Apple's um, demos, we saw um, a message uh, notification. You can just slide down the banner and you see a compose uh, box. You can type a reply and hit a button and the reply goes off. You don't need to switch between apps. You don't need to to open the messages app and you just uh, retain your contacts in the app that you're using and you interact with the notification. And Apple also announced that third-party developers are going to be able to support this new uh, actionable notification uh, API stuff and they showed a, a Facebook demo with a Facebook no- notification showing a like, uh, a like button, and I think a, a, a comment button or, or a reply one. A I reply think it was one. A anyway, button. yeah, yeah, com- two button, two custom, custom, custom buttons by Facebook, and that's the idea, right? That's um, developers just like um, Mavericks last year. They're going to be able to support uh, actionable notifications with an API that lets them choose the kind of controls that they want to enable and usually there may be uh, a simple button to 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 send a remote uh, action like uh, you send a like to facebook without going to facebook or typing with the keyboard and this opens up a, a i mean a, a lot of interesting possibilities because of course i'm thinking of not just apple's applications on ios like messages or mail for instance but i'm thinking of uh, stuff like tweetbot you could reply to a dm without opening tweetbot which seems super convenient or every group messaging messaging application <laughs> that we tried in the past year i guess a uh, group me or slack or I don't know what the kids are using today, but anyway, I assume they're going to support these uh, new actionable notifications. And even uh, pro- productivity apps that, that implement notifications in ways to alert you of stuff or uh, changes in your account or, I don't know, due dates for yep. uh, a task. I would the- love, like, OmniFocus for me to be able to uh, mark as, like, completed or, like, delay yep. for an hour. Just from yeah. the notification. Yes, that's exactly. so awesome. That's the idea. And, and you see, combining the notifications and the actionable notifications with the, with the widgets that you yeah, get in, in Notification Center, it <sighs> seems like there's going to be a lot less, uh, lot less app switching on iOS, which should My be My iPhone's going to be awesome next year. Like, it's just <laughs> going to be really good. And it's going to be huge. I mean, nine inches. What'll, what'll be nice is, I mean, there'll be some applications that you don't ever have to interact with that your yep. your whole interaction is just within notification center 
which is cool. That's going to be sweet. I, I'm really excited. Like, I, It makes me so excited that I want to install the betas, <sighs> but then remember that I won't be able to do any of this stuff <laughs> because everything that I want to do, I need to wait for the apps to come out. So that's why I'm not doing it. Yeah, I'm, and especially like, well, for me, I... I've been thinking about, you know, uh, like you, Mike, I, I really want to try the betas, but for me, two problems. First, I got to get work done on my iPad, and I don't want in- to install a software that makes uh, apps crash. And second, third-party apps that, I, that I'm really interested in uh, don't support iOS 8 yet. So uh, for as much as I'm curious to, to try it, I put it on my uh, first-gen iPad mini on a, on a iPod Touch that I bought just to install betas and I will wait for like beta 4 or beta 5 before I, I put it on my m- main devices yeah I always wait for for that sort of period of time now hmm. yeah uh, you know, I'm excited too and I think you know it's been a couple of weeks since the keynote and I always try to think about you know Apple has announced things in the past that I get excited about but then like don't make a long term difference you know what I mean? Like, newsstand yeah. is cool, but who cares? Um, Siri. Like, Siri is cool, I know you but I just, get, like, I just I, get, uh, get angry with it. You use um, Siri a lot, actually. Because I'm in the car a lot, but... Um, CarPlay boy. That's what you yeah, need. I, don't, I don't even have a car anymore. <laughs> so you talk about that. <laughs> uh, I sold it to Federico. Yep. Um, He's automating it. Yes. <laughs> So, so guys, speaking guys. of not- notifications, I, I mentioned this in passing. Uh, messages, right? Yeah. We are getting basically a whole new messages app with uh, a lot of cool new features, especially for group messaging. Uh, basically, I got everything that I put on my wish list, so I'm happy. But uh, I want to focus on a, on a bunch of specific features that we saw at the keynote. So the first one is the possibility of uh, deciding whether whether you want to keep or remove attachments that you that you receive in in a conversation. And actually, the the action that that the messages app will feature is not keep or remove, but just keep. So by default, the the app is going to uh, clean up the attachments from your device. But if you really yeah. want to keep a photo or a video that you receive, you you got to press a button and say, I want to keep this. And right. that's I an thought, interesting choice, right? Yeah, I was thinking about that the other day. If people would be upset all of a sudden realizing that their attachments aren't on their devices. Exactly. But, yes. but my thought, but kind of why I think it's going to be okay is that, so say if you guys, Federico, if you sent me an iMessage with a selfie in it, I would actually have to go in and save that to my camera roll to keep it. You know, it's it's on my device, but it, it's sort of stored in a way that doesn't make a lot of sense and, you know, could take up space. You know, Casey has talked about that. I have um, two gigabytes of messages right exactly, now. Exactly, exactly. So it, it solves that, but I don't think it makes the convention of, did I actually save this any worse? I think I think it's a good move. On, on the surface, I was nervous. I think I've I've kind of come to realize why they're doing it. Yes, and, and the second uh, also attachment-related... Um, feature that I want to mention is the audio snippets, the new embedded controls for sending an audio message right into the messages app. So before it used to be that if you wanted to send a voice memo to somebody else, you you needed to go through a bunch of hoops to open the voice memos app and record and then share your recording and 
enter the email address of your iMessage contact, it was a mess. Uh, right now, so right now in the beta, there's a button right above the keyboard to send uh, an audio snippet right into the Messages app. And during the, the keynote, there was a, I saw a tweet by the WhatsApp uh, CEO and founder about Apple being quote unquote inspired by WhatsApp to, <laughs> to bring a bunch of new features to Messages and uh, and, and I think that it does have a point because a lot of the announcements uh, for the Messages app seem, I would say, inspired by the competition. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say that, the, I'm, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I mean, I love the improvements, but especially the audio, the, the focus on the audio snippets, it seems very WhatsApp related. And now my question for you guys is, um, I know that WhatsApp is not huge outside of Europe. So maybe for Mike first, uh, are WhatsApp uh, audio snippets as as big in England and as they are here in Italy? Because yeah. I, I, I see people doing the audio messages all the time. Yep, 100%. Okay, yeah. Stephen? Uh, I, I really don't. In fact, I was sitting here listening to you guys talk about it. The only time, I, I don't think I've ever sent a voice memo to anyone. Hmm. Um. I, th- really, the only time, honestly, the only time I ever use the voice memo app is to record my kids singing or doing something funny that I want to keep. Like it's 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 really not, at least for me, a big deal. Now, when it's baked into messages, it might become a bigger deal, especially again in the car, you know, on foot walking or something like that, where it's easier just to hit a button and say something as opposed to typing it. Mm-hmm. And what's nice is because it's not voice dictation, because you're actually saying an audio file, yeah. you don't have to worry about Siri mangling whatever it is you say. So here's what I'm seeing here with normal people using WhatsApp. And I, and I, was, uh, I, w- and I was helped by my girlfriend to understand this new trend of sending audio messages because I, I never did it myself before and I, because I don't use WhatsApp much because of all my basic communications happen... Uh, inside the messages app but i know a lot of people who use whatsapp because it's uh, cross-platform and all the other reasons because it's super popular here instead of instead of just uh, and this happens especially for longer messages instead of typing a long a long message they just record uh, a voice snippet an audio snippet that you like you said steven it's just a recording of your voice and initially i thought that was weird because, I mean, it wasn't the point of texting getting away from, from you know, the, the voice in the first place. But now, the more I think about it, the more I see this kind of getting back to a more personal kind of messaging. So it's yeah. with, with the selfies and, and your voice and, you know, the possibility of easily sharing what you're seeing or your face. You know, it, it seems like there's this sort of comeback towards a more personal messaging experience. That's not really like a phone call, but like um, like a passive phone call, like like an indirect phone call, right? And mm-hmm. and and it's an inter- it's an interesting trend, and 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 it's also interesting that Apple is just jumping right in with the Messages app. Yeah, I mean, they didn't the Apple say that according to their stats is the most used yeah. application on iOS. Like, yeah, it's crazy. Any change, any change there is going to garner a lot of attention and. Uh, you know, I think it's I think it's great for all those reasons. I'm, I'm I will definitely report back and see if it's something that I move to, you know, on a more more regular basis. And last about messages, uh, there's a new um, 
interface to quickly share attachments, whether they're photos or uh, audio messages. And you just tap and hold uh, a button above the keyboard and you can do everything with one uh, finger. Just tap and hold, either take a photo or a video or record an audio snippet and then you flick up and you send the attachment. And to me, this seems like a move towards um, a bigger phone because uh, instead of having to instead of having to tap buttons at the top of the screen you just tap and hold next to the keyboard which is comfortable in terms of position next to your hand and you don't have to touch buttons that are uh, far away on the screen so if apple is doing a bigger phone as the rumors suggest this kind of interface uh, an interaction approach seems to seems to, to to indicate that apple is thinking about you know one-handed operations with a bigger screen totally totally um i mean you see that even with ios 7 you know the back gesture yeah. you know instead of the back button which is all the way at the at the upper left hand corner i think it's absolutely apple playing with that and i suspect that we will see this sort of interaction appear in more third-party apps as well like you said whatsapp has a sort of a similar interface and some others do as well but i think this sort of tap hold and swipe business we are going to see we're going to see more of and i i, I like it even if the phone doesn't get bigger i think it, it will lend yeah. itself to faster usage which is great phone's um, getting bigger bro totally yeah it's, mike is so excited by the bigger phone. I really about that that's why i, I really have am. this android phone here that i keep teasing um, we have handoff, which we talked, I think we talked a little bit about, I'm super excited, um, for all the reasons we talked about. I want to talk specifically this week about Bluetooth LE, uh, which is Bluetooth low energy. Uh, a lot of people have lit themselves on fire and are running in circles about, about this. <laughs> wow. Because it seems like this is going to be required on the Mac for all this to work and uh, we have some links in the show notes but a lot of Macs don't support Bluetooth low energy and people are sad and I read today that not even with uh, with the Bluetooth adapter you're not going to be able to to enable handoff yeah which is I mean I get it it's a little bit of a bummer um, I think that it, it's definitely something you know Apple leverages features based on hardware and then they leverage hardware based on yeah. features it's this dance and, and sometimes this the dance gets a little quick and i think it's um i think it's a case of that uh it doesn't personally upset me but i uh you know my notebook is new enough to to do it so but i mean it's kind of it's kind of like uh like airdrop right it's it's yeah. a, it's a feature that requires a modern mac and maybe in this case really a modern mac but personally, I love the idea because uh, I haven't been able to try really because, like I said, my I don't have a I have a beta on devices that I don't really use. Uh, but I love the idea of trying to instead of instead of unifying the the OS of trying to unify the experience of a user switching between OSs and devices. And now uh, I'm not sure how uh, OS X and iOS are going to handle, especially OS X, because what if I have multiple windows open? Uh, how does the OS decide what kind of activity they need to push to a mobile device? Because maybe I'm working with Safari and I'm working with Pages. So what's the activity that I want to continue on my iPad when I, when I, when I, when I you know, stop using my Mac? 
So yeah. th- that's a that's a question that I, that I would like uh, an answer for. But in general, I really like the idea, and I like the idea of Safari being able to push um, a, a web page from the browser on your computer to the respective app on your device. So if I'm reading Facebook um, on Safari, uh, in Safari on my Mac, I can continue with Facebook with a Facebook app on my phone. That seems like a powerful idea. But uh, like I said, I, I want to I want to see in practice how uh, capable the system is uh, when it comes to recognizing the, on OS ten the activity that you're doing at the moment. So the the last thing we would talk about with iOS eight was the uh, document management system that that Apple's been talking about, and there's a really nice uh, article over on this website called Mac Stories. Oh, I know of, the guy. Yeah, he's kind of weird. Um, Apparently, he's not very fun to work with. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, so you should go read the article. But I mean, this is a huge break from the way that iCloud documents have worked in the past. And there's actually stuff in the documentation about like your iCloud documents will get wiped at some point in the beta and all sorts of fun stuff. I remember something like that previously. It may they have did, been. They did it last year too, I think. Yeah. You're going to lose so, them. Yeah. <laughs> so it's. It's interesting. Well, I mean, you're going to lose them anyway with iCloud. <laughs> oh! oh. <laughs> Maybe. Um, we, we don't know. We don't know about the new cloud kit. So so it's it's definitely uh, going to be a crazy world of documents moving around. And I, I think the, the sticky point for me is the open-end menu is still like that stupid horizontal scrolling is still really janky. Um but overall, I'm really excited about this. And it's, for me, using PDFs and stuff on the iPad a good bit and pages documents and everything, having a more cohesive experience is going to be, is going to make me more likely to pick up my iPad and, and do some stuff that I normally would just say, ah, uh, you know, there's too much friction. I'm just going to uh, to deal with it on, on the Mac. Right, shall we uh, take a quick break to thank our sponsor for this week's episode? And then I want to talk about the Amazon Fire phone. Is that good? See, take take that as a resounding yes from everyone involved. Um, um, so let's take a moment to thank our friends over at Lynda.com for supporting this week's episode of the Prompt. Lynda.com has over two thousand highly high quality and greatly engaging video courses taught by industry experts, with new courses added every single. Linda helps anyone learn creative software and business skills to achieve personal and professional goals whenever and wherever you want. Their wide breadth of courses from beginner to advanced makes it easy to learn something new, no matter what level you may be at. Linda.com makes it a breeze to learn whenever and wherever you want on your computer, tablet, or mobile device. Each course is structured so you can learn from start to finish or just jump on to find a quick answer. They give you access to not only searchable transcripts so you can quickly find information within a course, but also closed captions transcripts so you can follow along with the video too so as you're watching a video on linda you're getting all of the text below so you can follow along as i said but if let's say oh you remember in a week's time how did he do that bit where he does this so you can search through and you can say oh this is how they did the compression stuff in logic you can click it and it will take you to that part in the video so you can watch it too it's a really nice way of of depending on how you learn. So maybe you learn with audio, maybe you learn with text, where you can find a way to sync the two of them together and you can search all of that. I find that really useful when I'm using Linda. 
I want to make it clear, lynda.com videos are not homemade how-tos like the kind you're going to find on YouTube. Lynda provides really high-quality videos with fantastic production from their state-of-the-art studios. Their videos include animations and diagrams and sometimes downloadable project files to make sure that you really understand what you're learning. You can get stuck in, try it all out yourself, and their instructors are highly accomplished professionals at the top of their fields who have a true passion for learning, and this comes through in the stuff that they create. Lynda.com has only one low monthly price of $25, which, believe it or not, provides unlimited access to their entire course library. Lynda.com offers a variety of instructional courses for all levels that cover a wide range of technical skills, creative techniques, business strategies, and so much more. Let's say you want to get into a new hobby. Maybe you want to get into photography or audio recording and podcasting like this stuff. Well, they have videos for that. And then maybe you want to learn about Logic Pro 10 or Final Cut Pro or maybe you want to learn about something like Aperture or uh, Lightroom or the Adobe Creative Suite to enable these hobbies. Well, they have videos on all of that stuff that I just mentioned. Maybe you want to make an app. Well, they have videos on app development. Maybe you then want to learn how to sell your app. Well, they have marketing skills and business stuff. Um, they have iOS app development essential training, but then they also have more in-depth videos, and I'm sure that they're going to have videos about Swift as soon as they possibly can too. You could get project management, content marketing, online and viral marketing courses to help support the new business that you're setting up. Linda can really help you out from the nugget of your idea all the way through to creating a successful business. They can be a part of it along the ride with you. Here's the really cool part. Lynda.com is giving you, the listeners of the prompt, a special offer to access the entire library for free for seven days. Visit lynda.com slash the prompt to try Lynda out for free right now. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash T-H-E-P-R-O-M-P-T. So thank you so much to Lynda for supporting 5 by 5 and the world's greatest podcast. Guys, that's Lynda.com. Awesome. That's an awesome company. We do. We love them. They're great. You'll love them too. So Amazon had a thing today. What's an Amazon? An Amazon is a rainforest. Okay. And that's about all you need to know. <laughs> so uh, we knew this was coming, uh, widely rumored, and they, you know, and Amazon had done a great job of building up hype and speculation about the introduction of an Amazon phone today. We believed 3D, and I'll get to that in a bit. Um and then they went and they went ahead had the the event today, and they have unveiled a phone. Um, and guys, if you will allow me, I would like to give you a tour through the Amazon Fire phone. Please, because I I didn't really fall off the keynote. That's why <laughs> I've got this all I've got this all sorted for you guys. It's under control. Should should we shut our eyes? I mean, yes, if you'd like to. You Hold could. on, let, let me let me pull up a photo of. Jeff Bezos and, and look yeah. at the, his face while you... Narrate. Yeah, you can imagine... Uh, <laughs> okay. Imagine that I am Jeff Bezos. <laughs> okay. Yes, I, I'm staring. I'm staring. Mm. Right, Go so let me, tell you, let me tell you about some technical specifications because I know that's what you guys really care about. So the Amazon Fire phone, which I'm really struggling with saying, uh, is 4.7 inches. It has a really, really bright screen for outdoors use. There's some statistics. We've got some links in the show notes, but it's basically super bright. Um... Images that you've seen that are taken by the live blogs. The phone is well illuminated. You can see it in Bezos' hand. Um, but basically what they've done is they've cranked up the brightness to make sure that you can read it in light outside. Um, you know, trying to keep in line with the Kindle type of idea, really. It has a 2.2 gigahertz quad-core processor and 2 gigabytes of RAM. So it's a, a, 
quite heavily spec'd out phone, super powerful. It's a 13 megapixel camera with optic image stabilization. Um, it's running the forked version of Android um, that you've seen in the other Fire products. Um, Stephen, I think, has put a note in saying it's pretty but kind of boring hardware design in his honest opinion. Yeah, I mean, that's... It's fine. It, it actually sort of looks like what it reminds me of is the BlackBerry Z10 as far as sort of the industrial design. It just looks like a smartphone. Yeah, so I have I have a Moto G sitting here. You can hear it. Um, it's black. It's got a rubber back. It's 4.5 inches. I think, you know, what's the... You said 4.7. Yep. Um, it, it, it looks like this phone. Like, they all look the same. It's... Do something interesting. That's all I want. Um, Anyways, please continue. Bezos said 4.7. Uh, they chose 4.7 because they feel that it's the, the sweet spot for still being able to use in one hand. Um, I am inclined to agree with that. Obviously, not everybody, you know, your mileage may vary depending on the size of your hands. Um, but I, I am able and have been able to use 4.7 inch devices uh, very easily. But they have some cool technology to help with one handed use um, that I'm going to get to very shortly. So. Let me tell you about some of the things. So this phone is going to be exclusive to AT&T. As far as I'm aware at the moment, and I have not yet seen any uh, information on outside of the US availability. Um, it's going to be $199 for a 32 gigabyte, which is where it starts on a two-year contract, and $299 for 64 gigabytes on AT&T. Um, they have this plan, I think, called AT&T Next, where it's like plans are like starting at $27 a month or something. Um, off-contract prices start at $649. You can pre-order now and they're shipping July 25th. Here's something that we're going to love. Unlimited and free photo storage via Amazon Cloud Drive. Uh, why is that? It never, why it does never that, ends. That, but that's awesome, though. The topic never ends. It is awesome. And Amazon is really good at cloud services. But it's just for, uh, it's just for uh, Fire phone uploads, right? Sure. You can you cannot just have unlimited storage for just about any photo that you have in your computer. It's just oh, is that true? I think it's just for the phone. Oh, that's gross. Let's see. It's what not, can we learn by reading? It's not clear app? yet, as far as I'm aware. Not clear yet. Say that's gross though, but it's free. It's with it's, a Prime subscription. Like it's yeah. you know so it's not well, it's not bad, is it? It's good. No, and it fits uh, yeah, in with cool. Amazon's philosophy of their hardware. Like, Apple sells hardware so it can sell software. Amazon sells hardware so it can sell services. And so it's like the Kindle tablets and or Kindle Fire tablets and Kindle Fire Apple phone, TV, whatever it's called. Like, the Fire phone exists because Amazon has all these services they want you to use. And so I get it. Like, I wish that they would have a photo management solution available for everybody. But I'm sure that's coming. Like, I'm sure this is just an introductory thing. But anyways, again, carry on. This goes in hand in hand with the overall general pimping of Amazon services. And, and reading the live blog, I could see that it's actually quite impressive. Like Amazon are able to come out of the gate with a device like this and they have all of the services that you would expect. So they have photo storage. You get a free year of Amazon Prime with the phone to enable all of this sort of stuff. Um, you get Prime Instant Video. 
and it has the X-Ray feature built right in, which I'll come to a bit more in a moment, how they're enabling a lot of that. Um, Amazon Prime Music, which just launched recently. Um, you get all of that too. Kindle le uh, Lending Library. Basically, all of Amazon services built right in, and then, of course, the ability to get things shipped to you very quickly, which goes hand-in-hand with a service called Firefly, um, which, again, I'll come to in a moment. Mayday tech support service is also built right into the phone, like in the Kindle Fire tablet, which is potentially the best tech support that I've seen in a long time. Um, the idea of you're able to just call somebody, you can have uh, a little video chat, you can see them, they can't see you, but you can talk to them. Um, and they're able to see your device with your permission and they can either click through screens for you or draw on your screen and you see it in real time on the actual screen. Um, you know, it's not like a, on a some demos. You see it in the app that you're using or whatever and they can show you tap here and talk you through yeah. how to use your phone. I think it's awesome. Made it um, is really awesome. The thing that I always think about though is scale. Like, can they get away with doing Mayday because they don't sell many of these things? Or like... Apple could not pull this off with however many billions of iPhones they've sold. It's. I think it Amazon feels, could scale it. They, they're I, this is what they do. They I mean, spend a lot of money and they lose a lot of money. But they scale with hardware. You got to have a human on the other side of the phone. Uh, it's it's really interesting though, and it's to me, I think it's the most innovative of all this stuff. That that it's a new type of customer service. You know, if you bought a washing machine in the sixties and it broke, you called a guy and he came out to your house and he fixed it. And that's, it's that level of service where you have an interaction with a human being, uh, right wherever you are, you know, with Apple, you have to call 1-800-APPLE-CARE or you have to go make a genius bar appointment or you have to get online and chat where like with this, it's, it's so more, so much more personal. I think it's really great. And I, I don't worry about the privacy aspects of it. It's all opt in obviously, I think it's I think it's great, and I think more companies should pay attention to this type of customer service. One of the things that was really interesting, and in interesting not from a good standpoint, Bezos continually just says we've sold tens of millions of Kindles, we have tens of millions of Prime subscribers. Doesn't give numbers; they never give numbers. And for some reason, Wall Street are happy with this. They don't get dinged for this. Pretty much all other companies do. Guys, let me tell you about Firefly. So, Isn't that the name of the TV show? Yes, but it's also the name of a new service that, that Amazon is introducing with the Kindle Fire phone. Okay. It's an app and service, basically tied into one, that basically recognizes everything. So you press a dedicated button, which opens the Firefly app. I think it's also the camera shut bu shutter button. Because it basically opens a camera-like app. You point the camera at things, and like an animation of tiny little fireflies start to appear and they circle in on an object that you're aiming at. So it's showing you what object it's recognizing. Then what it does is it targets in from its uh, base of over 100 million recognizable items to recognize what you are pointing your phone at. If it's a product, it will show you information about it so you can buy it on Amazon. Um, if you maybe uh, open Firefly and you point it at a book cover, it's going to recognize that. You can point it at art, and it will recognize that. You so it's a buy button. Uh, effectively, but it, it, there is some use to it. So, for example, you can uh, aim it at a phone number, and it will recognize the phone number for you. Um, and then it does more. So you can open Firefly when audio is playing, 
and it will recognize audio of music using Shazam, and you can buy it or stream it. It will recognize audio of movies and TV shows and show you information from their x-ray service, so who's in the movie, information about the movie from IMDb, and then you can stream it or buy it. Um, it seems kind of amazing and insane. So what if I want to take a picture of Stephen holding a book? Does it let me take the picture or does it take me to Amazon? I think you just press the camera shutter button. I mean, I think what it does is it recognizes it and then shows you information. If you just press the camera button, it's going to take a photo. I don't think it it takes you to Amazon to buy right. Stephen. And I, I don't think it's <laughs> just, uh, you can't you can't buy me. I don't think it's just Amazon. I mean, maybe it is, but they talked about, like in the video, talked about, you know, I, I could point at a CD and like find concert tickets for that artist. And so... I think it's really interesting. The the cheesy line in the ad, which actually kind of really really works in my opinion, is the world. It's like the world is a hyperlink, and it, you know, there's always been this divide, and Amazon is maybe at the forefront of this divide of like I have real things and I have Amazon, which is a digital store, and this is trying to bridge the gap of I could point my phone at this bottle of water I have on my desk and I can order a case of it. What what I do find interesting though. There's part of that sort of interaction that sort of makes me a little uneasy. I was talking to to my wife about this before we recorded. Just you know, told her Amazon had a phone, and I told her about this specific feature about about Firefly, and she was like, "That makes me kind of sad." And I get where she's coming from. I think we've all bought things on Amazon that we're ashamed of. Like I definitely bought toothpaste on Amazon once because seriously, because I needed it, and I was like, "Well, I'm not. I don't have time to go to the drugstore, so I'll just in the next two days." I I never do that. That's special. In fact, I think it's just my perspective here. I really never, never heard of people here buying that kind of basic stuff. On Amazon, I've never done it either. No, I, mean, I, I, just I told you, to I told you, I'm ashamed of it. I'm trying to confess. <laughs> we will not accept a confession. Wow, I know. Uh, that's that's harsh. Um, Are, do people in the U.S. buy groceries yeah. and food on Amazon? Yeah. Amazon I, I have a service <laughs> called Amazon Fresh, which is like a full-on food service that they offer in some places, which is like. When you oh. buy soup, when you buy groceries online, there are people that buy groceries online here. They don't buy them from Amazon, That's but you weird. use use your supermarket and do online grocery yeah. shopping. So Federico, which is actually think... kind of the same thing. So Stephen, I forgive you. Thank That's you. That's weird. So Federico, you're sort of in the same boat as Mary is about. This is sort of weird, and what yeah, what tears me up about it, and what I'm really is... conflicted about is like I should go to my local store and buy toothpaste, but my local store yeah. is Walgreens, which is a giant multi-billion-dollar corporation. So it's. <laughs> You know, I, I don't go buy toothpaste from like a mom and pop drugstore because those just don't exist strange. anymore. <laughs> Why so would I buy fresh food on the internet and receive them in a box? Well, they're brought that, by somebody from the day. It's like going yeah. to the supermarket. It's like yeah, going it's to the supermarket and driving it home. And that's they're actually weird. bringing it to you in a refrigerated van. So if anything, it's probably better. No, th- that's strange. I'm, I'm creeped out. Uh, the thing is... As much as I love you, you're Italian, and Italians have a, uh, please correct really me if I'm wrong, a culture of food which is very, very different. Yeah, And, and really you guys eat this. a lot more fresh food than I think many other cultures in the world. So I don't think it would ever gel with you, where maybe no. a lot of other places <laughs> in the world it would. Especially as you are a, you know, you are a small town boy a lot of the time, you know? 
I'm sure that you know the person who runs the grocery store or the delicatessen where you buy your meat. Yeah, and you know them by name, most likely, <laughs> and they, they welcome you, and then yes. you, you you kiss each other on the cheek and drink espresso together before you leave that's, with the okay, bacon. That, Mike, that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> Am I watching you? Is that the thing? No, I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just not the guy to comment on this. It's just strange. I mean, I, I kind of get it for, like... I don't know, video games, right? Like you're at a friend's house and you scan the, the video game or the book cover and you add it to your Amazon list or whatever. I just don't get it for everyday products. I, I do. I think, I think it is different and it's a cultural thing, I think, which is where it comes down to. But, but anyway. I mean, isn't this, isn't this uh, like... Uh, I mean, the Amazon app uh, on the iPhone kind of does this already. Yeah, but basically... what. What they're showing here is it's a lot faster, it's a lot okay. more powerful, and it, and it has a lot deeper integration and it can recognize a, a lot more things. Because the Amazon app does a decent job of it, but it mainly, I think, falls back to barcode scanning, which mm-hmm. is not what so this is. This looks like, uh, like uh, the technology that Amazon used in the old um, uh, Flow app for iPhone. Do you guys remember um, the Flow? Yeah, by I Amazon? Re- yeah, maybe that was a da- bit of data collection. Yeah. 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 Because they had to find their library of 100 million things somehow. Yeah. They tricked you, Federico. You were scanning in pictures of salary, and now look what you've done. (laughs) No, no, no. If you you look at my old posts, actually, you're going to see photos of CDs and video games because that that makes sense, but not groceries. (laughs) I mean, it's so to to reel this back into some semblance of a topic, it's. It really is a, a fascinating intersection of like how we've done things forever and how things could be done in the future. I think the problem with it for me is like the Wally syndrome, where like you're on the spaceship and you're in a chair and you just get fed milkshakes all the mm-hmm. time. Scanning like, broccoli, scanning broccoli to Amazon. Scan, yeah, and like you don't. It's there's a balance with all this stuff. It's really it, sad. There is sadness, but if there's a convenience factor that's worth it, then maybe you don't have to be sad about it. I, I don't know the answer, and I don't think we're going to solve it on the prompt. But I think we should, though. I think we should solve... We should hold Amazon in court, the the the, prompt, the world's greatest court, <laughs> and see, see where Jeff... So we're going to need Jeff to come on, and uh, we're going to ask Bezos some questions about now, humanity. Now, seriously, is, is this... Amazon's plan to to facilitate shopping in uh, through your f- smartphone is this is basically what it is, right? Just that, yeah, that's what you, Firefly if, is. It's it's a window into Amazon's core business, which is selling you stuff. Seems just it is know, obvious. It is like um, I mean, it's impressive, right? It's very it's impressive. impressive. It's very cool. It is kind of like ah, this is weird to just basically give me a device which is a phone and also allows me to just buy anything from you at any time. But then it's like, wow, but that's super convenient. So right, it's that, like, yeah. it's like this back and forth that you have to play with yourself as to whether you think it's a good thing or not. Let me tell you about dynamic perspective. Um, okay. This is what, this is the 3d part or what we expected to be the 3d part. Mm-hmm. It's not really 3d. Like we thought it was going to be. It's not like Nintendo 3ds. It's more like, the next iteration of Parallax. From iOS 7? Yeah. You mean? 
Okay. Let me read you a quote from, from a Verge article, which I think does a better job of explaining it than I can. Dynamic perspective lets you tilt the Fire Phone in different directions to see more information from apps, play games, resize images, scroll through web pages without using your fingertips, and most impressively, move various layers of the user interface around as though they were physical objects in front of you. So, as you're moving a phone, as you're moving the phone around, it's using accelerometers and some cameras, which I'll come to in a bit, um, to either A, move panes of UI around. So maybe you're looking at directions and you want to see what's below it. You can sort of move the phone and it will move the pane, right? And it tries to make it more physical in the movement. Or it does some stuff like you're playing a game and you want to see around a corner and you move the phone a bit and it does a lot more of that. And rather than just using the accelerometers to manipulate it, they then can use the cameras to try and center the, the way that the screen looks. So it's more a case of it feeling like you're looking around a corner as opposed to the game trying to work out where your eyes are. So l let me ask you, so the basic interaction is always the tilt uh, movement of the phone, not your head, the phone. The phone, the yeah. The phone has to move. The phone has to move. Okay, so if the phone doesn't move, not, this doesn't take place. It's all perspective thing. That's my understanding. But then what okay. it's doing is, is it's, it knows where your head's aiming. So it can display content on the screen in relation to that did you see the image that the verge had of the at the keynote of how you look to the phone yeah it's yeah it's really creepy we had to find that and put that in the show notes yeah which can be found on the internet 5x5.tv slash prompt slash 53 um so let me tell you some more stuff about <laughs> dynamic perspective um, they show you how you can, for example, tilt a web page or a Kindle book, and then so it will scroll. So you can do it with one hand. So you just tilt it, and it starts to scroll. Like Instapaper Insta had this for ages. <laughs> Instapaper mm -hmm. does that, but then it does this. They also have this thing where you can kind of then like set a cruise control, so it'll just start scrolling on its own. Um, they have some pretty cool looking 3D lock screens that kind of look like these fun little worlds. Um, and the images that you've seen in the videos that I've seen, it does look super impressive. Like, it looks really strange, kind of like, I don't understand how this is happening because it kind of does look like you're looking through the phone to something as opposed to looking at something on the phone, if the videos are to be believed, which, I mean, sure, um, I expect that they will be, or if, otherwise we're going to find out if it doesn't look good. Um, there's a lot of wrist flicking to access things, which what is not... What does that mean? So if you have your phone in your hand and you flick your wrist, so you do a jolt oh. action. Oh, like the... I have one of this phone, this Android phone here does that to open the camera. Like yeah. a, That's weird. So one thing that they have to bring up a left pane navigation quite frequently to like to flick the phone and it will shake out like it will like fly out of the side. I don't like a lot of that sort of stuff anyway, but if you do, you're going to love this phone. Um, so it relies on motion sensors and also the use of the four front-facing cameras that also have infrared built, built into them. It has four... Uh, because you may be covering two of them or one of them and it will use the two best cameras at any one time to select the image of you. It has one in each corner. These cameras also have infrared built into them so the phone can see you in complete darkness. <laughs> Even Jeff Bezos well, acknowledged yeah. on stage that this is kind of creepy. He says it like it, it looks creepy. What we what we show you, the phone sees it looks creepy. The way that we had to try and work it out is kind of creepy, but this is what it does. Yeah, you know what I what I thought about 
in addition to Federico's comment about Instapaper having done this, is Samsung tried a bunch of this, right? With the Galaxy S4, it had like page turning with your eyes and all sorts of stuff. And maybe this will be better than that, but it, it seems still like feels, the technology is a lot better. It feels, but it feels gimmicky. And th- of course, this comes from somebody who has parallax turned off on their devices. But it is like, I just think, I see that, I'm like, what if that battery was going towards something better, like making my phone last longer, not running all these crazy math problems to figure out where my face is. It's cool, but at this point, I'm not ready to say that it's an actual feature that, that is you know beyond gimmick stage. They have SDKs. I'm I mean, guys, that that's for bad, oh. but they do. What is that? What does Inf- SDK stand for? Infrared Guys. selfies. <laughs> Let me tell you. Yeah, SD, they have SDKs so for third-party developers can... You know, can, can, can you do a Tim Cook voice? No. I'm taking, I'm taking a look at the videos, and man, the 3D effect is really freaky. Yeah. But good-looking. I think it would be really interesting for games. I think... Like, yeah, yeah. Like going around in Chrome... I guess it doesn't run Chrome because it's a forked version of Android. Going around in Android or in uh, Amazon Silk, their browser, I think it could be a little weird. <laughs> but you should do that on Mac stories. You should have this. Don't you like, want? Don't you want to look behind behind the the, the the web browser's corner? Yeah, you can find yeah. all sorts of stuff. Yeah, no, if, like if you're on Apple.com, you tilt it and you see behind <laughs> the sticky note and see what they're actually doing there's, back there. This Phil Fisher running a bunch of servers. Behind the corner of Apple.com. <laughs> Amazon Fire Phone. That's oh, all man. I have for you right now. It's interesting. It's a I, bad name. I think it's, yeah, it's terrible. It's, they should have called it the Firefly and then just had the service also called Firefly, in my opinion. I think it's a pretty pretty decent name. They're going to keep to the Fire thing. I don't like Fire Phone. It's hard to say. Um, I think it's interesting that they're getting into the phone business now. It definitely makes sense for them to do this. Um, the Firefly stuff is interesting as we have belabored on this show it is kind of creepy it's kind of weird but it, it, I do think it's interesting as well um, yeah. all of their services that they're integrating you know Amazon are really building a platform um, unlike they, any, I think they could do any more, other company though. except Apple um, I think, like, so, like what so like I think about what iCloud does and look at something like device backup maybe the Kindle or the Fire OS does this, but like Amazon has S3 and EC2 behind the scenes. That's what powers all the stuff. The uh, Amazon, the the music, the cloud music player, assumingly the cloud photo management. Like, I just I'm curious to see how far Amazon can push that. Where you know maybe all my phone all that stuff can sync with EC2 and, and be stored in S3. Maybe my phone can back up to S3 and I can restore it really easily. Like they have an opportunity to completely break from all third party services. If they wanted to like Dropbox itself runs on S3 for crying out loud. Like why does Amazon not have a really cool document front end? Like I, I see where they're going and I think that stuff is coming, but I really think if there's well, iCloud and iOS 8 and Yosemite is interesting I think the possibilities of what Amazon could do are greater because they they own the whole stack now. They have cloud services, they have front-end web services, and now they have these devices. 
I'm really excited to see where they go. Yes, parts of it are creepy, but parts of everything are creepy. So if you can just accept that your phone is basically a Terminator, maybe there's <laughs> some interesting things they could do here. Uh, I mean, from my perspective, it's two things. Uh, one, I really don't get shopping on Amazon for everything. <laughs> two, uh, Amazon Web Services aren't really available outside the U.S., and so for me, it's difficult to care about something that I cannot try. And, and I mean, this phone is launching to AT&T in the US only, right? It's yes. basically just an America thing mm-hmm. again. So, yeah, cool. I guess it's a nice 3D stuff, impressive tech, kind of creepy. Uh, I don't really care. Federico, do you know anywhere that um, has like maps and charts and stuff about how these international services are broken yeah, down. Yeah, th- there's this, uh, this <laughs> Italian guy kind of, kind of, you know, I don't know, he's pretty into tea, I hear, as a, as a beverage. Uh-huh. And he loves shopping for groceries uh, He just online. buys his toothpaste on Amazon all the time. <laughs> like it, like it's, a, it's a weird uh, You know what, I confided, I confided in you guys, and you guys were jerks about it. Thank you. <laughs> we, I think I was more of a jerk to Federico, though, so it all works yeah. out in the end. So, yeah, I mean, it seems like a nice phone, right? I mean, Jeff Bezos is kind of kind of creepy guy, but that's not my place to say. I think uh, he's kind of cool. I think he does. he's a good presenter, at least. I don't know. Um, I prefer Eric Smith, actually, from Google. Really? At, at least he's creepy in a genuine way. <laughs> Like genuine uh, creepy, not like hidden creepy. Yeah, this is kind of creepy, but I'm gonna appear but as a. Bezos cool guy. looks like he could take over the world. He's got the look. Smith just looks and like your uncle. He owns the media. He does own one part of the media. He owns. Anyways, it. I feel like this is probably done for the week. Are we? Are we a fashion show, guys? We were once. We had that one episode. Yeah, we did have that episode. <laughs> Good times. Where you told us about fashion. Do you remember that one? Yeah. So that's it for this week's episode of The Prompt. If you'd like to catch up with everything that we've spoken about today, you want to see all the show notes, of which there are many, you can go to 5x5.tv slash prompt slash 53. My name is Mike Hurley. I am at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. Federico is at Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I, and he writes over at maxstories.net. Stephen is at ISMH um, on Twitter, and he writes over at 512pixels.net. If you'd like to tweet at the show, we are underscore the prompt. Um, and if you want to write into us, go to 5x5.tv slash prompt and hit the contact button and you'll be able to send Stephen a lovely email. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. We'll be back next week um, and it will probably not be our birthday next week. Um, so we can finally put that to rest. Until then, bye-bye. Arrivederci. Adios.